Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, Linda. Good morning. Yes, it is a good morning, and uh, is it? Well, it, we're, we're all coping, <laughs> I think, after a, you know another week of of um, keeping fairly close to home, which has been great. Has it? <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell, Paul. Time yeah. will tell. So we were talking this before, and and I think you've hit the nail on the head with this week's podcast topic: food storage. Yeah. Great idea, Paul. Well, I mean, we spoke about um, what's essential to have in your pantry, but um, given that I know for a fact there's a massive run on chest freezers and refrigeration and all that sort of stuff, uh, people clearly have, well, a a lot of people have vast sums of food. Um, So we thought maybe a few tips on how to store it correctly so you get the maximum life out of it. Um, It's probably something we should talk about I, I would reckon yes, and not not just from refrigeration freezer but also storing stuff in your pantry so I wonder if there'll be a secondary food market pop up with people selling off 25 kilo bags of flour and a gum tree look out yeah, <laughs> yeah who knows category. Yeah, yeah who knows but I mean I suppose that the one um, probably I want to talk about first is freezer and freezing food um because clearly, like, uh, and I can say this because I work within the industry, that, that freezer sales have gone through the roof. Um, if you just ask our friend Jerry Harvey, he'll tell you all about it. Um, and also about freezer sales. <laughs> and about freezer sales. Um, so, yeah, it's storing your food in the freezer and doing it correctly um, to actually get life out of it. Because although freezers will keep your food for a long period of time if they're not if it's not done correctly um you'll end up with freezer burn and all sorts of other problems so yeah i suppose the thing that i do uh which i find works reasonably well is things like fish meat poultry uh anything like that because of the moisture content in it and depending on how good your freezer is it'll often form ice crystals on top which is essentially what creates freezer burn uh, because of the moisture content. So, and freezer burn taints the flavor uh, and generally uh, will put more moisture into your food once it's defrosted, making it harder to cook properly, uh, especially harder to get color on things because you need to render out effectively all that moisture. So if you can avoid freezer burn, uh, it's a bonus. So. Ideally, in a beautiful world, vacuum sealers are a way to go um, because they remove all the air. Uh, so it's very difficult for ice crystals to form when they have no space to form. So if you vacuum seal something, you remove all the space, so all the free space within a bag. But that being said, not everyone's got a vacuum sealer. Um, so for things like, let's say, let's take a piece of fish and a piece of fish is probably the best example things like a piece of fish um ziploc bags are good uh but before you put anything in a ziploc bag like fish chicken 
poultry, beef, whatever. What I find works really well is actually if you wrap it in baking paper first, and then if you're only using, let's say, cling film um, or a container, try and use cling film. Uh, it, it sort of creates a bit of a seal around it. So wrap it in baking paper and then wrap that in cling film. Uh, seems to work for me. Now, if you are using Ziploc bags, you can do your own sort of vacuum seal. Um, effectively, just get a pot of cold water and put your item in the Ziploc bag and immerse that bag, not all the way, because you don't want to fill up with water, but immerse it right up to the point where it seals. Um, so it, the entire contents of the bag is underwater and that pushes all the air out and then you seal the bag while it's in the water. So you're creating sort of a vacuum, getting as much air out. So whenever you can get as much air out, that removes the space for ice. I mean, some will form, of course, still, and baking paper's not gonna stop it, but exposure to those really harsh environments like a freezer, that's the best way to go about it as a starting point. So if Jerry Harvey is thing, I think he's gonna go out now and um, stock up on vacuum sealers. But, well, <laughs> but for those who us who don't have one, I like the tip of baking paper because we've all we've had over the years. We don't tend to buy um, food anymore and put it in the freezer. Yeah. But I have had steak and and it's had freezer burn and we've tried to cook it and exactly as you said, it was terrible. Yeah. It took ages. It didn't look appetising. Yeah. And never and that's why we just stopped, you know, buying ahead like that. Yeah, and so other things. Um, which, look, not everything freezes well, but given the current state of the world, um, people will be looking to freeze things. It's just a question of doing it correctly. So I was thinking about this the other day in the case of, let's say, say strawberries, okay? Um, you can, of course, buy packets of frozen strawberries. So how do they do it? Now, that effectively, what they do is they snap freeze them so it goes into like a blast chiller and it happens really quickly and that stops moisture coming to the surface ice forming blah, 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 blah. now it's m much more difficult to do it in your own home but can be done um, the best way to do let's say you've got four punnets of strawberries best way to do it is remove the hull so take the green off uh, and stand them up cut side so cut the hull off onto a baking sheet lined with baking paper and give them a good I don't know four centimeters apart and just do a whole tray of strawberries stood up like that stick that tray in the freezer now because they're small they won't take super long to freeze and once they're frozen then you can put them in a bag a ziploc bag and follow the same process remove the air again so you can freeze strawberries raspberries blueberries I mean all sorts of stuff if you're going to if you want to do other fruits, um, let's say apples and stuff like that, you're better off making a puree or a compote or something, cook them out and cook them down and cook the moisture out of them. Uh, and that will freeze better. But any of your, like I think we talked the other day about, you know, doing simple things like a big batch of ratatouille as an example. So any of that sort of stuff, if you want to freeze it down, or, I think I gave it to you yes. in a plastic container. Yeah. If you want to freeze... Now, that's not going to be as bad because when you go to reheat that, you'll put it in a saucepan and you'll cook that moisture out and we're not trying to get colour. We're just trying to reheat something like that. But you'll still get moisture falling. 
Uh, so oh, you'll still get ice crystals forming on top. Again, even in a plastic container, just do a sheet of baking paper over the surface. And even if you can, wrap the plastic container in cling film. Well, I had we had talked about this when you gave me the the container and I was planning on freezing some just to test it, mm. but we ate it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, like, yeah, yeah so freezing, like, it. yeah. Otherwise, and I mean, uh, other things which we've spoken about, I suppose this today's topic follows on from our pantry essential sort of topic. Other things we've spoken about are flour and, you know, mass quantities of flour. Um, you can freeze flour. Really? Yeah, why not? So what's the ill effects? Like if you if you put a bag of flour in the freezer, besides the fact that the flour is going to get cold, because it's got virtually, well, it pretty much has no moisture in it. As long as you don't add moisture to it, what's the ill effects? It's like when we put the yeast in the freezer. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you can freeze bags of flour. Now, I'm not saying you should freeze an entire bag, but... You can fill a Ziploc bag with flour and stick it in the freezer. I mean, we know that there's people out there with a shed ton of yes. flour. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, just think about how you're going about it when you go to freeze uh, anything. And the other tip is, is if you do do a large quantity of like a braise or a stew or a pasta, anything, anything that you cook, make sure it's cold first before you freeze it. So, in the case, let's go back to our ratatouille. In the case of that, make the ratatouille, cook it out, portion it out into containers, whatever you're doing. Let that cool down before you put it in your fridge. And then once it's cool, stick it in your fridge and let it totally cool with, a, with no lid on it. So, totally cool. And then cover it with baking paper, stick a lid on it, wrap it in cling film. Because anytime you have anything that's even slightly warm that goes into the freezer, it creates condensation. That condensation is water, which creates ice crystals, which gives you your freezer burn issue. So anything that you cook down in quantity that you want to freeze down, make sure it's entirely cold before it goes near the freezer. Don't take anything even room temp. Put it in your fridge, let it cool to fridge temp. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't have to work as hard to freeze. It doesn't give it long enough to create as much, uh, any more ice than necessary. It's very, very difficult to, because everything's got moisture in it, barring things like flour. So it's very difficult to remove moisture from food. And it's, I mean, we're not talking about dehydration here. So everything's got a moisture content. The trick is, is to not create any more, if that makes sense. Totally. And for those people who have uh, bags of flour, would the bag itself, if you put that into the freezer, they just, or should they portion it down into smaller bags? Yeah. Smaller I, plastic? Yeah. Maybe because. I mean, sustainability, as we've talked about, has gone out the window in this situation. Seemingly. seemingly. Um, so, although it sounds silly, I would suggest that you're probably better off portioning it down into Ziploc bags. I say Ziploc bags because I like the idea that you can get quite a bit of air out of them for any use uh, versus just a regular freezer bag. Now, that seems like a, a little bit of an extreme expense, but given how much money people are spending on buying a lot of ingredients, 
um, I think it's pretty minimal to try and actually make those ingredients last longer. And remember, like, a bit of a rule of thumb, anything that's sort of... Uh, look, fish and seafood, you don't want to go over sort of three months sitting in your freezer. Three that, months? Yeah, that's about as long as you want to take it to. Uh, if you've got a really good vacuum sealer, uh, like really good, almost commercial vacuum sealer that draws all the air, um, you'll get a minimum... With 15 months for a piece of fish. Oh, wow. So, I mean, worthwhile investment. A lot of people have them. Uh, even the benchtop ones, just make sure, even with the benchtop ones, because they don't pack as much grunt as, let's say, a countertop uh, commercial vacuum sealer. A lot of the brands do a you know integrated built-in. Now, they're not inexpensive, but if you think about the money that you'll save by not throwing out ingredients that have got freezer burn, might well be something worth you know considering but you get generally three to five times the life out of an ingredient if it's correctly vacuum sealed it's interesting because Dougie's family in Norway they do a lot of fishing and hunting very different to us and but they do a lot of fishing and and they have a really fantastic and uh, vacuum sealer and every family over there does because of how they live you know these harsh yeah. conditions of these winters that go on and you can't get out of your house and so they'll be it's used natural. to what's yeah. currently happening <laughs> well, yeah you know but they they plan for that they yeah. they live like that so they have all these tools whereas this is the first time we're really experiencing you know this in our lifetime and, right. and certainly our parents and grandparents might have felt something when they were kids going through the war but this is the first time we in yep. our living memory are going through these times and so yeah it's it's interesting how yeah and i mean i mean this isn't a advertisement for uh, vacuum sealers but the other thing you've got to remember about something like that is because they draw all the air from the bag what it actually means is that everything takes up less space so if you want to have more space in your freezer if you vacuum seal things they actually it, it only becomes the size of whatever it is that you vacuum sealed not extra external well, they're going to make room for those big bags of flour Paul, in those yeah little chest freezers that people yeah you see buying. so like just going back to that because i didn't really answer that with the bags of flour generally the bags of flour are well the bags themselves are almost like um paper yeah yeah um and so paper draws moisture so if you're going to put flour in the freezer you're better off putting it in plastic rather than in a you know flimsy paper bag it's less likely to tear or get brittle and yeah exactly um and it's you know you, you you're not going to get water well, I mean, hopefully, you're not going to get water. There's no tried and true. So the other thing that I do often too is um, for special, you know, special occasions, my little fella gets pizza every now and again um, and making, and he's four, so I don't need to make a ginormous pizza, uh, but making a tiny miniature pizza dough is not worthwhile. So I make a batch of pizza dough, let's say about 400 grams, um, let it go through the process of proving and all the rest of that. Uh, 
cut off what I need for him and then I'll actually freeze down portions of dough. So I've got a dough which is effectively ready. It hasn't been par-baked or anything like that. It's And when I go to... When I want to use another piece of dough make him another pizza, um, I pull the dough out and by the time it comes up to temperature or room temperature, um, it's kind of reproved again and ready to go and I roll it out. So you can do things like that too. I haven't done much of that with bread because... I like the immediacy of, well, to a degree of cooking bread. Um, and there's a little bit more planning involved with, let's say, doing a loaf of bread. But certainly, uh, like a pizza dough or something like that, yeah, not a problem. Great idea. Yeah. Pasta dough, a bit different. Generally try not to freeze a pasta dough. You can freeze made pasta, so like a ravioli or a tortellini or something like that. So a filled pasta and you follow the same... Uh, sort of theory is your strawberries. Pack them all on a single layer on a baking tray, stick that in the freezer, let them freeze down, and then pack that into a bag. But pasta dough itself, um, because of the egg in pasta dough um, and moisture and all the rest of it, I find it just has never worked quite well enough for me. Something like gnocchi is another interesting one um, because I've tried many times to make a gnocchi dough, cut it, get it all portioned out, lay it on a tray and freeze it like that, no good. Well, when I made gnocchi and followed your recipe when back in the day when you made that, it was a lot for Dougie and I. Yeah. And you, you suggested at the time that we portion it off and pour some olive oil over it before freezing it. Yeah, yeah, but what a you did bit, before that bit. was you blanched them. But blanched them first. So they were cooked. Oh, okay. And then a little bit of olive oil, so they yep. didn't all just stick together, which yep. worked really well. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing with gnocchi is, is we're not freezing a raw dough. No, that's actually blanched. cooked. Yeah. Okay. So you've you make a batch of gnocchi, you cook the gnocchi in boiling water, take it out of boiling water into iced water. Yep. Cool it down, run it through some, one uh, strain it off, vegetable oil, olive oil, whatever you got on hand, and then portion that down into containers, packets, whatever you like. Um, so yeah but the, a raw gnocchi dough just has never worked for me too much moisture gets in makes it all stodgy and yeah claggy um, so yeah I mean as far as I mean what else can we talk about when we talk well, about freezers and stuff you mentioned fish before and yeah. said three, three no more than three months in a normal situation yeah bit different if you've got vacuum sealing but what about for poultry or, or red meat yeah so I mean there'll be Various people say various things about it. Um, a lot of people say red meat you can get about six months. Um, I think a, a lot of it has got to do with the moisture content. So if we say six months for, for a piece of red meat, that's that's fine. But let's say, I don't know why you would do this, but let's say you've got a really good dry aged piece of steak versus just a regular 30 day piece of steak. The moisture content of those two things are totally different. So the, the purpose of dry aging is to remove moisture. Gives you better caramelization, color, flavor, blah, 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 blah. But because it's got less moisture, does that mean it can sit in the freezer longer? I don't know. Like, Well, if you don't know, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I, w I would suggest to you that yes, it probably could. So use, I mean, most freezers um, have 
either in the instruction manual or on the inside of the freezer somewhere, a diagram, a picture of how long you can keep things in the freezer. Use them as a guide. It's not tried and true. I certainly wouldn't. Seafood's particular because it's very high moisture content. Um, and think of vegetables. I mean, like vegetables are incredibly difficult. There's only that I would know of, there's only two vegetables that I would say freeze well. One's a pea and the other one is corn kernels. And the reason is versus every other vegetable is think about the size of them. They're tiny. Mm. So they don't contain a lot of moisture. So frozen peas I have on hand. Like make French peas all the time. You know, and corn, okay, fine. But if you've ever bought, uh, not that I would suggest that you do this, but if you've ever bought cauliflower florets or frozen broccoli florets or whatever it's always watery stodgy da, 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 da. there's a lot of surface area there's a lot of moisture content which means a lot of ice and that ice which is water penetrates all the i mean i'm not a food scientist but penetrates all the cells and makes it really unappealing to eat number one very hard to cook and very hard to cook well so yeah vegetables are different in my eyes different story um, I think you're better off taking your fresh vegetables and making something and then freezing that something whatever it might be mm. um, but we talked about other things like having polenta and all that sort of stuff and maybe if we move away from the freezer a bit into sort of more of the pantry how do you store those things um, sealed container dark place so I've got uh, old school what they call a, a meat cabinet um, which is effectively works as my pantry. So everything's dark uh, and in a sealed container because if you've got spices and they're sitting next to uh, a container of flour and both are unsealed, that flour will take on an odour of that spice just from having sit next door to each other. So seal everything individually um, if you can, and keep it in a dark place. Sunlight does a lot of bad things to ingredients, even you know, daylight, just daylight in general. Uh, so you'll always find these days, if you take something like, like you very rarely see a clear bag of flour, do you? No. Yeah. Okay. So if you've got a, if you haven't bought twenty five kilos and you've only been sensible and bought a kilo, <clears throat> you're better off keeping that flour in that bag because it's never a clear bag if you can I would say remove it from that bag put it into a container it's into a sealed container so it doesn't take on any surrounding odours or flavours um, but I mean, it depends on the circumstance and the other one is, is things like olive oil if you look at all, every single olive oil bottle on the market every single one a really dark glass is to prevent sunlight getting in to prevent light getting in it's not to look cool. It's to stop light getting in so it doesn't taint the flavour of the oil. Well, I never knew that. Oh, well, there you go. See? Learn something new every day. <laughs> and I must have been I'm, I'm going to go home and check our pantry because I think we do keep our spices on a separate shelf in the pantry to the flour and sugar. But if you, if you have spices that are, and I know you do, have spices that are in the little 25 gram bags which are open yeah 
you're losing a lot of it's they although they're dry they still have oil content in them and as long as the air is getting to them you're losing the potency of those spices so they're better off in a little airtight container hmm. okay thank you i'll be yeah. uh, checking those out when i go home so that's the dry goods dry goods freezer, freezer uh fridge i suppose we can sort of talk about um there's a lot of information online about how to store what and where um from everything from fruit and vegetables to dairy to all sorts of stuff um i kind of look at things like uh particularly things that don't last as long so fresh herbs are probably a really good example um now without getting into humidity levels and all that sort of stuff most most people will have a fridge that has a vegetable crisper in it and you can adjust to a degree uh, the amount of airflow and humidity. There's generally a little slider on your crisper somewhere. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Our fridge is quite old though. So. But just stick it somewhere in the middle. Okay, don't get yeah. too... Because the problem that we have is that if you... Uh, what people do is store potatoes, broccoli, apples, grapes, all sorts of different things in that one space. Now, if you, let's just say, right, if you store apples in your crisper and you have other vegetables in there as well, and they're all unpacked and exposed and whatever, because that's what people do. I mean, I'm the same. You just come home from the market, throw your apples in, throw your potatoes, if you put potatoes in the fridge, but throw your greens in, da 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 Just so, in the case of an apple, um, as apples decay, and we're not talking rotten, but as they age, they release a gas. Okay, and what that gas does is speed up the ripening process of everything else in the surrounding area. I never knew that either. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so when you store, have a look online. We can't go through the entire list today, but apples and pears do that. So if you're going to put, if you're thinking about putting your apples and pears in the crisper, think about what else other stuff that you've got in there um with something like your herbs what you're best off doing is they because they like a moisture a little bit of moisture um get a bunch of herbs get some paper towel which is also reasonably scarce at the moment <laughs> but you only need a sheet um wet it roll the herbs in wet paper towel and put that rolled herb bunch and we're not saying roll them up tightly just cover them with wet paper towel, put that inside a freezer bag and put that in the crisper. So it's got its own little micro environment in the bag. Um, So fresh herbs are really good for that. Um, Look, carrots, cucumber, broccoli, cauliflower, all the rest of it. There's, I mean, very few of us can afford a fridge that does, has a lot of different temperature zones. Some fridges do. Um, where you can adjust the temperature, humidity, all the rest of it. Jump online and just think about what you're storing with what. In the, I particularly avoid the apple thing because I know that that's what happens. So I keep apples separately. Although I like, I like a cold apple straight from the crisper as much as anyone else um, because I know what it does to everything else in the crisper, I keep them separately. Bananas are another difficult one because um, perfect temperature to keep a banana is between sort of 12 and 14 degrees 
And if you can find somewhere in your house that has that. Well, since you and I discussed this last time, I have been keeping the bananas. Oh, you've got a wine cooler. We, right. Yeah, my little trip when we renovated, apart from the combi steam oven, was a wine wine fridge at the end yeah. of the bench. And I do keep... I like how you have a wine fridge when you're living in a house with where only one person drinks too, yes. by the way. And that's, <laughs> that's and a that is vital investment. Took a long time in planning, <laughs> let me tell you that. But I do keep the bananas in the wine fridge. Yeah. yeah in the red wine section. Yeah. So 12 to 14 degrees is best for bananas. Um, because in the fridge, we all know what happens. They go black. Uh, if you leave them out, let's say you've got one banana. I mean, we keep our fruit on a tray outside of the fridge. If you have one banana on that tray and you go and buy some fresh bananas and that one banana is starting to get a little on the overripe side of things, um, if that banana touches the fresh bananas, the fresh bananas will ripen five times faster. Wow. So you want to keep them away from each other as much as possible. Either eat that ripe banana and put your fresh ones in place or keep them away from each other until that ripe banana is gone. And if they do go overripe, make some banana bread, make a banana cake. Yeah, banana bread, puree, like, yeah. you know, a banana puree. Sandwiches on your fresh bread. Yeah, banana puree. See, something like a banana puree, if you've got too much, there's no reason, although you will get oxidisation, so it'll go brown, but there's no reason why you can't puree let's say you've got half a dozen bananas that are overripe and you don't want to make banana bread there's no reason you can't puree that stick it in the freezer stick it in ice cubes you grab an ice cube and stick it into your smoothie for breakfast just mix it with some berries so you don't see that color and happy days also really good like um good way to add sweetness to a curry a little bit of banana puree as well um but yeah just yeah, with storage in the fridge. Um, so, you, I mean, cheese likes really cold. So put your cheese in the coldest part of the fridge. Now, quite often, that's your crisper. So I tend to put cheese right at the back of the fridge because every time you open and close a door, remember you're adding temperature to the fridge. Um, we're not trying to say to people that you need to go and buy brand new fridges, but... Like the technology now in refrigeration is far, far greater than what it was back in the day when we had the old sort of, oh, I can't even remember. Kelvinator. Kelvinator sort of. The big swinging yeah, handle. Big yeah, big swinging handle that didn't close and the tiny miniature built in sort of freezer that space. Freezer, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a freezer the at all. The little mini door inside. A, yeah, icebox yeah. type thing. But, um, An iced up. And you couldn't fit anything in. Yeah, correct. It always and you iced knew up. somewhere there was yeah. an icy pole at the back yeah. hidden in that ice, but you just couldn't get to it. But the main thing, uh, like I suppose, soon as we're talking about this sort of storage of stuff, with your fridge too, um, check the seal. So just the seals that run around the outside of the door, um, just make sure it's sealing properly. And especially with your freezer. Because any air that gets in will create ice so that's what hap- that's what used to happen with those old school fridges mm. they didn't seal properly so you defrost that I remember distinctly my mother defrosting that little mm. you know you'd, you'd switch the fridge off remove everything for half yeah. an hour I mean in Australia it's pretty hot so remove everything for half an hour and drip 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 it'd be defrosted 
Oh, yeah. great. It's defrosted. Close the door. And then a day later, it's back to where it was originally. And it's because you've got air coming in. Um, so just check the seals every now and again on your fridge. Um, and if you need to replace them. And there's a lot of places that will do spare seals. Um, but if you have a fridge that's sealed properly, obviously it's going to perform much better. So we're... We're not. We're letting sustainability out the out the door. Well, the I don't want to, but let's be no, honest no, about well, how people, what things are actually we have to ha- deal what's with actually what we have and, Yeah. And I think your point about if you have found yourself with a lot of vegetables, make something, cook something, freeze that. Yeah. Break everything else down into containers, label them, keep them if it's dry goods. Date. Keep them date yeah yes yeah and another reason why ziploc bags are good they've usually got a that's the reason ziploc bags have got a white section on the bag mm-hmm. so it's not just all clear the white section is so you can actually write what it is and when you put a date there. on it yeah great well happy cooking everybody and yeah stay safe and i like stay the idea home. of um the social distancing for strawberries when you're freezing them oh there you go yes. very good yeah there you are So take care, everybody. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com.